Thank you so much. It is such a joy to be with you uh, here with you this morning. I'm really looking forward to seeing what God's going to do with us. Um, as uh, Jordan said, it's been such a joy getting to um, know uh, he and Andrea over the last, gosh, six, seven years. And um, I want to tell you, you guys have got an incredible pastoral couple in Jordan and Andrea, if you agree, you're allowed to say yay or something nice. Um, they're just incredible. And uh, my wife and I moved to, um, to Boston about two and a half years ago to plant a church called The Cable Boston. And uh, six of us met in our lounge uh, in an Airbnb that we rented as we got there, um, right in the middle of uh, the crazy season of COVID. Uh, just a few days before George Floyd um, uh, protest kicked off. And I remember thinking, Jesus, why did I bring my family to America? What are we doing? Um, but God has an incredible way of um, revealing his kindness uh, to us, even in the midst of incredible difficulty, even in the midst of incredible challenge. And I am so excited to uh, come really as a missionary to this incredible nation of which I've received incredible ministry to, um, from. And uh, so it's really a joy to be here. We're seeing God do something amazing in our city. Uh, for those of you who I'm sure um, are aware, some of you might not know this, Boston is a crazy, progressive, whatever ideology you think you might know, it's all there. And um, I had some friends say to me, Julian, you're going to commit ministry suicide if you go and plant a church in Boston. But I figure good news belongs in places that have no hope. Light belongs in darkness, right? And so we moved there, and we're seeing this community grow. We're gathering just over 100 people now. Uh, we just moved to a bigger venue two weeks ago, I think it was. Um, two weeks ago. And on our first Sunday in that venue, um, a woman who walked into the meeting, totally unchurched, never been to church actually in her entire life, responded to the gospel of Jesus and came to the front weeping together with uh, two others. And I love it when God breaks in and proves all of the things that we think we know wrong. I want to tell you, we are living in the best days. Good point, Julian. Um, we are living in our best days yet. I, I have... I'm a happy prophet. That means I have a hopeful expectation that somehow, sooner or later, things are going to pan out and God's goodness will be revealed on the earth. Um, what secures that is not my ability to try and um, ideate. It's not my ability to try and plan it. It's the fact that Jesus is alive, that Christ is risen, and Christ will come back again. That's, that's, that's the security that I have. And so I'd love it if you can in your Bibles, please, to Acts chapter 19. I want to share just very quickly. Um, for those of you, um, how many of you have ever received a prophetic word from someone? Put up your hands. Most of you. For those of you who might not know what it means to be prophetic, it just simply means to hear God's voice and to communicate that with somebody else um, and to help them come into an experience of God's goodness. Now, I, I need to start off by saying the track record of prophetic ministry in the last season. Well, it's been a little bit crazy, hasn't it? Uh, when we look at some of the prophetic words that you're hearing, even around political stuff, so I want to start off by apologizing on behalf of all prophetic ministries. I believe that ultimately the expression of prophetic ministry as best described in Scripture is the testimony of Jesus. In other words, if prophecy doesn't look a little bit more like Jesus, it's probably not good prophecy. Um, that's what Revelation 19.10 says. And so I'm going to flow prophetically at some stage today, and I want to bless you with some prophetic words. Some of you are going to receive some prophetic words. But before I do, I want to just unpack one or two thoughts out of Acts chapter 19. Um, I, I genuinely believe this that we are stepping our feet into the rising tide of an ever-increasing kingdom movement, that God is restoring his fame on the earth, um, that God is doing something incredible in the midst of what looks like increasing darkness. The opportunity for the church is to be brighter than she ever has been. 
Acts chapter 19, we'll read from verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue, and for three months he spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, and then went reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and their evil spirits came out from them. I love this verse. God, won't you come and help me communicate truth this morning? Won't you come and help lead your people into a beautiful love encounter with you? In Jesus' name. Amen. Just before I get into this verse, I just felt like there was probably someone in, in this section over here. You've had some kind of condition where I think there's been, the phrase I'm getting is like a rotor cuff injury, something to do with your shoulder, um, pain in this part of your shoulder, and I just feel like God wants to heal that. I could be wrong, and I don't mind getting things wrong because I'm God's favorite. Sorry? I, I might have. Um, have you got that problem? Is there anyone in this section, though, who's got a condition with your shoulder that's caused incredible pain, um, going once, going twice. If you come up to me, is that great? He's, he's calling you out there. You're going to show. I, yes, I'm going to make it really easy. If you've got a shoulder condition, won't you stand up? <laughs> if you have a shoulder problem, just quickly stand. I clearly got the wrong side of the room. I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. Yeah, exactly. Look at that. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence in this room. We take authority over pain in shoulders and shoulder conditions right now. We declare healing to come in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, right now that you release them of all pain. You restore ligaments right now. And God, right now, we ask you for your kingdom to come. And we say, be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'd love you guys to check that out, um, and let's see what God might do today. Acts chapter 19 is such a cool verse because I feel like it's a model of what God could do with a bunch of people to change a whole region and to shift something for a whole region. And uh, Acts, uh, this particular part of Ephesus um, in its day was known for all sorts and all manner of crazy things. It was a melting pot of culture. It was a melting pot of ideas and religious philosophies. It was an economic hub. It was an incredible space and place that um, created this um, whirlwind, as it were, of uh, people who were lost in idolatry, people who were lost in sexual perversion, people who were lost in all manner of sin. And God loves Ephesus. And he breaks into this place. And what's incredible is Paul shows up to this little town, or this, this city, sorry, shows up to the city, and 12 men who get filled with the Spirit go on to change a whole region in that area. And I wonder if, if God could do that again today. Um, I wonder if God could break in to people who, who dare believe him for the extraordinary and begin to see everything change as a result. I'm going to believe it, even if you don't. Um, so what I love about this text, in particular that we've just read, is the idea that God wants to take a group of people, God wants to take a community of people 
who lived life so incarnationally, who lived life so full of his presence, that even the economic systems of the day get changed, which is what happened, yeah. And I believe God wants to do it again. I genuinely believe that. I believe God. I moved to Boston with my family because we believe that God wants to break into the intellectual hubs of society and demonstrate his kingdom and release a community, a people who will go on to transform the world because his kingdom has come. And Paul shows up on his travels and then there's 12 men and he makes this incredible statement to them. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now one of the things I love about Paul's ministry and indeed all of the apostles of his day was that the primary mission of apostolic ministry was not planting churches. It was not growing organizations. It was not starting networks. The primary mission of apostolic ministry, which means the people who are sent, which means the people who go, was the infilling and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And the question that he asks here is quite an interesting question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, I want to be very clear that I believe that when you become a Christian, you receive the fullness of God, don't you? It's the incredible joy of this divine exchange where you give him your life and he gives you his life. It's the wonder and the mystery and the beauty of what's called imputed righteousness. I think it's absolutely incredible. Are you okay there? Great. Um, I think it's absolutely incredible that Jesus lives a life perfectly on the earth and he gives it to you as a gift so that you get to enter into the life he lived by grace, not based on what you offer him. It was what Zane was talking about, the rest of knowing. How many of you know God wants to bless the rest of your life? Not your striving, not your heart. He wants to bless your rest. The joy of salvation secures us to be seated in and fully in rest knowing that his life has now become our life. And I believe you get all of God when you get saved. However, it seems to me in Scripture that Paul is very clear and the Gospel uh, writer Luke is very clear that there is something about the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer that is meant to look extraordinary. Brothers and sisters, I, I want to encourage you. I, we get to sit and talk to people who from bougie universities like Harvard and people who are high-level intellects. And I, I thank God my wife, she's a medical doctor um, as well. She's not practicing, but she's much more clever than me. Um, and, and I love the fact that we get to sit with all these intellectuals. And the thing I've discovered about people who think they're very clever is that they all need an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit. And the thing I've discovered about Julian Adams, who comes from Cape Town, South Africa, with not much education behind him, with not much of an ability to do anything that I can manufacture, is that whenever I walk into the room, because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I have the unfair advantage. And I get to sit in offices of high-level executives and billionaires and millionaires and people who I was prophesying over someone who works in all manner of artificial intelligence and bioscience. I can't even mention the words. I don't even know what they are. Yet God meets with them simply because when men and women are filled with the Holy Spirit, everything changes. Your life moves from ordinary to extraordinary. It's still the gospel. It's still the truth. And I want to invite you today, you will know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, not because you had someone put their hands on your head, but because suddenly everything that was an effort, everything that you had to work for suddenly begins to be turned around and you are empowered to do that. Are you living an empowered life? Because the invitation today is not simply to work a little bit harder, to try a little bit harder, 
but to live from the place of an empowered presence and person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, dear friends, I, I am more convinced right now that what we need is not simply protracted meetings where people come and fall on the floor and get really happy. What we need are transformed lives empowered by the Holy Spirit, not in the places of the building that we call church, but in the church that walks out of the building. And I love what, what Paul does. He's, he prays for them to receive the Spirit, and they begin to speak in other tongues. They begin to prophesy, and, and he goes on into the synagogue, into the sacred place, and he begins to talk right there in this holy place, this synagogue, and he begins to talk to them about the way of the kingdom. I, I want to tell you the kingdom of God is so expansive, it's so beautiful, it's so outrageously magnificent, and I want to tell you the kingdom of God is meant to be experienced here and now. I, I believe we live in this holy tension. The kingdom of God is God's gracious rule and reign, breaking in on the earth, redeeming everything and making everything new. And what makes us a people who carry the future is that we incarnationally live in the reality of that kingdom. That means that we flesh out the way of the kingdom in the way that we live, in the way that we communicate, in the way that we do family, in the way that we do church, in the way that we do everything. So that it points to a future reality of God's gracious rule and reign, making all things new. You know, we often pray that prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I don't, I don't know if you know what that really means because God is not simply interested in meeting your needs. He's interested in giving you bread from the future. That prayer is prayed according to the Gospel of Luke in the context of what's called an eschatological reality. That's a big word for the end or the perfection of God's kingdom coming to us now. And when he prays that prayer, the Jewish people would have been listening to that, would have understood something of the feast that was to come, something of the incredible, magnificent, eternal party that was about to come. And so when Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, if you translate that directly, it literally means give us the bread of tomorrow, today. In other words, the bread that's reserved for that moment of feasting, the bread that's reserved for that moment of all things becoming new, when there'll be no more tears, when there'll be no more sickness, when there'll be no more pain, when there'll be no more injustice, give us some of that bread to eat right now. Dear friends, you can tell that I'm a little bit excited about that. Because the kingdom of God is not meant to be a far-off reality that we hope for one day. The kingdom of God is meant to be a manifested reality even in the midst of pain and suffering and difficulties. I, I can't tell you how difficult the last two and a half years have been for my wife and I losing my mom. We've had incredible difficulties. I've not been able to get back to South Africa. My dad, this is a cool story, um, about a month after my mom passed away, 2020, my dad got deathly ill, nearly died uh, four or five times over a period of about eight months. And when he came to out of that, I remember talking to him on the phone and um, on FaceTime, and he couldn't recognize me. He didn't know who I was because the trauma of the sickness that he went through had produced in his brain vascular dementia, which basically means he, his brain, his synapses were so damaged that he couldn't remember me or my wife or his grandkids. And I remember after just, you know, mum dying just over Christmas in 2020, and then eight months of grueling touch-and-go moments. God, are you going to heal him? Are you not going to heal him? And I remember at four o'clock in the morning saying, God, I've been to heaven. I know heaven's a beautiful place. I know that, God, you do amazing things and that you can heal. So I'm asking you, either heal him or take him. And the next day, he came right back into his mind and he's completely fine. And he just actually came and visited us about two weeks ago. He's with us for three months. God completely healed him of an incurable disease called vascular dementia because the kingdom broke in on him. I want to tell you, God's kingdom is still breaking up. And whilst we live in this tension of what's called now and not yet, 
In other words, we, we, we know God's kingdom has come in the person of Jesus. We know it is coming in the outpouring of the Spirit. But we know there's a whole lot more to come. And for many of us, we tend to excuse our lack of experience by saying, oh, well, we're just waiting for the, that one day, for the sweet by and by. One day. I'll get to heaven and it'll all be fine. And we live with this escapist mentality of, I, if I can just make it through to that day, then everything will be fine. But as my one friend says, the reality of the kingdom is not pie in the sky for the sweet by and by. It is steak on the plate while we wait. The reality of the kingdom is that we get to lean into our daily bread, the bread that is reserved for tomorrow, and eat that today. And I don't know about you, but I've had some, some disillusionment with healing and with signs of the kingdom. I've had some disappointments. I, I struggle with sickness in my own body. Most often when I'm standing, I'm in pain. Sometimes you'll see me sit down in worship because of severe back problems. I was born with a cleft palate, which means it is impacting my ability to hear and my ability to speak. But I'm so glad that God takes the worst things of our life and he can turn it around to be the very instrument of grace and mercy that demonstrates his kingdom. And so the weakest part of me, my ability to speak, my ability to listen, have now become the conduits of his strength. So I speak on his behalf and I hear on his behalf. I want to tell you, dear friends, that even in the midst of disappointment of the kingdom coming and waiting for a full manifestation of that, what I will not allow is to, be, is to allow offense and disappointment to govern my expectation of the kingdom. Because who Jesus is and has been revealed in the scriptures as Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, Christ risen, Christ glorified, and Christ coming back again secures me of this reality. That as long as I've got breath, there is an opportunity for a demonstration of God's kingdom in my workplace, in my schools, in every space that I go. And I want to provoke you this morning because I believe God's calling you as a community to expect some more from him. Do not allow the disappointment of the last season to govern your expectation of the next. It's incredible there are people in this context who continue in their unbelief. You know, one of the things I've discovered is that sometimes clever thinking people try to pastor better than Jesus. Here's what I mean by that. When Jesus is pastoring his disciples, his followers, he doesn't pastor their unbelief. He doesn't pastor their doubt. He doesn't say, they're there, let's write a little book about doubt and let's help you feel a little bit better about it. The Bible says he rebukes them for their lack of faith. I, I want to be clear, he does not rebuke anyone who comes to him to be healed. Any sick person that you see in Scripture, God never rebukes them for their lack of faith. Jesus never rebukes them for their lack of faith. But what he does do is rebuke his disciples for their lack of faith. And I wonder if our understanding of faith is still lacking because of not actually being convinced of his goodness. Jesus is on a boat in the middle of a storm. And his disciples come to him and say to him, Jesus, do you not care that we might die this very night? They're always so extra dramatic, aren't they? Kind of like me. And Jesus gets up and he stills the wind, he stills the waves, and then he turns to them and he responds to their question of, do you not care? And he says, do you still lack faith? Notice, faith is not connected there to, do they believe he has power to do it? It's connected to whether he cares for them. And I'm so convinced that the lack of expectation 
of healing in the church community these days, of demonstration of God's kingdom, not just healing, but provision and abundance and ability to step into everything that we need in order to fulfill the call of God in our lives, is more often connected to our lack of faith in his goodness than it is in our lack of faith in his power. Because we all know God can do anything. We're still not sure if he will, because ultimately, many of us are not convinced of his goodness. And what happens in this context is that Paul goes from the sacred place to the public place. And it's in the public place that the real juicy miracles start happening. It's in the public place, in the hall of Tyrannus, where there is a mix of philosophers and people who are ideating their latest ideas, where there is a mix of all manner of sin, Paul goes from the sacred place to the public place. I want to tell you, it is time for the church to leave the building. It is time that we move from the sacred places that we have built our monuments around to move into the public spaces and to demonstrate God's kingdom. Whether it be through how you care for the poor, whether it be through demonstrating signs and wonders, whatever it is that will demonstrate the mercy of God, we've got to move it from the sacred place to the public place. And what I love about this moment is the Bible says that Paul does extraordinary, extraordinary miracles in this context. In fact, Luke the writer doesn't have the words to say it, so he has to use a double word, extraordinary, extraordinary. In other words, these miracles are so extraordinary that he had to add an extra extraordinary. Man, I long for these kinds of miracles, signs, wonders. I long for an extraordinary community who's willing to leave the safety of sacred spaces and move into public places. I got to consult for a multinational in um, Singapore a few years ago. And um, I went into this place. Now, you understand, I come from a relatively poor background. I, I was not able to go to university when I left school because we couldn't afford it. And um, this gentleman who is a friend of mine and runs this massive multinational says, won't you come and consult for all of our directors? To which I'm thinking, sweet Lord Jesus, do you know who I am? You definitely don't. Well, I, I can barely keep a budget. And you're asking me to prophesy and consult for all of these people. And it was just incredible. I remember walking in thinking, Jesus, I've got nothing to give these people. Like, you know, maybe I need to get more words of knowledge, which are books of information that God gives me that I could not have gathered um, by information and observation that God just gives supernaturally. Maybe I need deep words of knowledge and then you'll get their attention. And I remember sitting down and this financial director walked into the room and I remember thinking, God, I need to give him something so spectacular that he'll go, surely Jesus is Lord. And, and I wonder if we sometimes confuse the supernatural with the spectacular. And God said to me, son, I want you to get his heart. As I began to pray for him, I began to get words about his young daughter who was going through a really difficult time. And this guy who was hard and callous begins to weep as the presence of God hits him. And I get to lead him to the Lord in a high-rise building in Singapore at a multinational company outside of the church. I don't have any Bethel music playing in the background. I don't have any sense of the anointing. And God meets with them there. I, I want to tell you, we're seeing this happening even just yesterday doing, I have an anointing for retail therapy, y'all. And it's like supernatural gift of grace. But we're in, um, I forget where we were in, what shop it was, and one of the assistants who was serving, God just drops a word for me just to prophesy over her. And she's immediately welling up with tears as the presence of God invades that space outside of any nice-looking church building. Can I invite you to be a kingdom people? 
Because I believe this next move of God is not going to be a come and see move of God. It's going to be a go and show. Where we demonstrate God's kingdom. In the most beautiful ways. I must press on. What happens off the back of this. Is that Paul's ministry. With these 12 people filled with the spirit. Begins to have such an impact. That the whole of Asia Minor there. Is impacted by it. So much so. That the prevailing powers. Of demonic. um, Authority. Get pulled down. In that moment. The Bible says. That people were bringing, just a little bit after this, their, their, their idols and throwing away their uh, occultic paraphernalia, throwing it away so much so that the people who were making those things were losing money. And, and what I love about this is that the result is persecution. <laughs> now, we don't like that word so much anymore, do we? We're so into cultural assimilation that we've forgotten that actually part of what it means for us to demonstrate the kingdom is that there will inevitably be a clash. And that's okay. I love what the bishop, um, Tom Wright, says. He says, everywhere the Apostle Apostle Paul went, a riot ensued. Everywhere I go, they serve me a cup of tea. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, I want to say, I, I love... Oh, I'm going to get into trouble. Can I get into trouble? Is that okay? Jordan, you can pass to people afterwards. I love the fact that America is such an incredible free nation. I'm so grateful to Jesus for that. But I just want to tell you that the way of the kingdom is a call to give up all of your rights. (laughs) It's a call to come and die if you really want to find your life. And we have elevated our personal rights over the purposes of the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom of God. And I want to invite you, there will be a time, if not Sydney and Boston already, where being a Christian costs you something. Not because it's about my rights, but because living in the kingdom is a direct clash and conflict in nature with anything of darkness. And we're going to have to be okay with that. What's fascinating is my father-in-law leads a ministry into the nation of Iran. Katya's personal history is that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in her grandfather's house in Iran. My wife's grandfather had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, thank God, because of an American missionary who gave him a Bible. And the Holy Spirit poured out upon their house so that for three years they had nightly meetings in which thousands of Iranian Muslims became Christian. My father-in-law's ministry has seen over 300,000 Muslims become Christian. I'm I'm hoping you're happy about that. Good. Um, You know what's incredible? Persecution has not been a roadblock to the extension of the kingdom. It's been the propulsion. And I don't think we're going to necessarily, we might die for our faith in this country, but I do think it's going to cost us something to be the people of God and to live that out incarnationally. And so I want to invite you to come and die and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because the call of the kingdom is outrageously radical. It's not meant to culturally assimilate. It's meant to culturally transform. As we're growing our church in Boston, one of the things that we felt God said to do was to not dial down or water down the expression of the gospel, but to be full out in everything that we do. We don't do seeker-centered services. We don't do nice meetings, but God's still growing our church. These people are getting healed and they're encountering the kingdom of God. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's time to move from the sacred space to the public places. Will you turn with me very quickly, please, to Revelation. If I come in for a quick landing. Revelation chapter 2. 
Paul's ministry establishes a significant church in the city of Ephesus. Everything is changed because of the coming of the Spirit. And then about 60 years later, Timothy's leading this community. But an angel shows up and speaks to the Apostle John, and this is what he says. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you've not grown weary. This is a good church, right? This is a church who honors healthy biblical teaching. This is a church who's patiently waiting for the hope that they've been holding on to. This is a good church who's endured suffering. This is a church who moved in revival at one stage, who saw the kingdom of God coming in incredible power. Sixty years later, he says this, I have this against you, that you've abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. What that revelation is telling us is that God is not impressed with the size of a church because by this time the church was big. By this time the church had massive influence in that city. By this time the church was doing amazing things, honoring the faithfulness of Scripture. And even though it looked successful by all the metrics of the world, Jesus said, I will take your lampstand because you've forgotten one thing, your first love. The charismatic church the new church movement, whatever you want to call us, I'm not quite sure what stream we are anymore, is old enough to have tradition now. And when we have form without power, we've got nothing. And I want to invite you today to first love. The invitation is not simply to do all of the stuff. The invitation is to be empowered by the work of the Spirit, go do what you did at first, the outpouring of the Spirit, and in all our abandoned love for Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I want to invite you again. When last have you been fascinated by Jesus? When last have you been undone by his kindness and his goodness? When last have you been utterly flawed by just how much he loves you? When last have you deviated from the motions of religion and the traditions of religion to just stand in wonder? I want to invite you to first love as a community. I believe the Lord wants to hijack some of your worship times again. where we move from allowing worship simply to be the prelude to our preach to actually being the whole point. That even my preaching is meant to cause you to look at him again with fresh eyes and say, I love you. I'm a heart sick for you. I want more of you. There's an invitation today to first love. And I know my message might seem rather simple, Yeah, I believe there's something about laid-down lovers who transform the world. I believe there's something about people who've been so fascinated with Jesus, they have to invite others into that fascination. My invitation to you today, brothers and sisters, is to do the things that you get at first. Be filled with the Spirit. Fall in love with Jesus. Because it's from that place the kingdom is made manifest that we get to demonstrate all that he is. Jesus, I repent for making so many other things the goal of my faith. Lord, I ask, would you save us from passing on 
to the next generation wonderful churches without any first love in it. We want to be a first love community filled with your spirit. We want to be a community who walk in the demonstration of your kindness and of your goodness, who are actually fascinated by you. Would you do that for us, I pray. Come Holy Spirit. I want to just take a moment just to prophesy over some of you, if that's okay. Is that cool? Great. Thank you, Lord. Just this, uh, the couple at the back there. You guys together? Would you stand, please? Great. I'm so glad you're married. It's such a great idea. What are your names? John. John. Sorry? Hannah. John and Hannah. John and Hannah, I feel like the Lord. Uh, Sean, sorry. John. Please forgive me. Sean. Um, God has put such an incredible grace on you guys. Um, and Sean, I, I feel like the Lord has given you this ability to um, see through the froth, to see through the. Um, the phrase I get is like the. the uh, the externals right into the internals. God giving an ability to desire, to see the hearts of people. And I feel like God is about to unlock something in you in this next season by way of a prophetic grace that is on you to be able to perceive what's going on in the hearts of people. God's giving you an ability to really wrestle with complex ideas and to come out with ways of communicating. I feel like God is he's giving you this incredible creative a dynamic that's on you that God wants to use to catch the attention and the imagination of a generation again. Um, I, I see like, um, like computer screens in front of me and it's like I can see color and design and shape and even musical notes coming out of it. And I feel like there's something about what God's going to do with you in the area of creativity that's going to have some kind of impact online that's going to gather the attention of a generation. And I feel like God's put you guys together in quite a unique way in that you're, you carry like this forerunner thing on you that uh, you, you don't like the same old, same old. You get bored very easily. You want to push through into the next level of what it is that God might have. And I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you that he's about to open up some incredible doors even concerning your career, Sean, that is going to be very significant in, in bringing you into a place of profile and into a place of influence. And um, Hannah, I feel like you've got this incredible grace on you to be able to love on people and to be able to make things beautiful. And I feel like God is going to give you grace to make people beautiful in this next season. It's like I can see you using your hands and I can see you engaging um, even, even in a very tactile way in order to release the love of God onto people. And I just feel like God wants to invite you into a space in this next season to um, begin to dream with him about what it is that he's calling you to. And I feel like it's going to be an open vista. It's like I can see these canvases um, of art and color. And it's like I can see just throwing paint onto these large canvases. And there's a sense in which God is saying, the canvas is completely blank. You get to come and expand and dream with him for this next season. And so I feel like God's doing something quite unique with you guys, and you're coming into a fresh season of opportunity with him. And so, Father, I bless this couple right now. Thank you for the creativity that you've put on them. Thank you, God, that you've called them um, to impact even beyond what they could ever expect or imagine. So, Father, I bless them right now. Are either one of you involved in fashion or like fashion industry? No? Um, okay, so you literally make people beautiful. Um, I mean, that's amazing. Um, I feel like there's something about you getting connected into some fashion industry dynamics and people who are in the fashion industry. And I feel like it's not just about what you're doing in terms of that, although I think that's going to get you there. But I feel like God's going to unlock some hidden talent and creativity around design and fashion and connecting with, um, like, um, integrous brands and being someone who would uh, release a new way of impacting fashion 
an industry. So there's a level of integrity and there's a level of sustainability and there's a level of authenticity. And I feel like God's going to help you partner into some of those spaces to release the kingdom of God in a very real way. So Father, I bless this couple right now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Yay, God. That's cool. She literally makes people look beautiful. Is there someone here in um, March of 2020? March of 2020. I see um, some kind of a breakdown that you had. It's almost like I see you on the edge of your bed. Your hands are, are, are holding up your face or your face is in your hands and you're weeping um, because there was a sense of being completely overwhelmed and anxiety that broke in around some family context. And you entered into like a, a, a prolonged season of just being super overwhelmed um, and anxiety that began to break out. I think I was wrong about March 2020. I could be wrong on the date, but I think what I'm describing describes the situation. If that's you, can you quickly put up your hand? Just feel like the Lord wants to minister to you. Going once. I want to say that when I prophesy over people, I see the best. So I want to bless you. I don't want to expose anything. I feel like I can see someone right about March 2020, super overwhelmed you, on the edge of your bed and you're weeping uh, into your hands because of something that happened. If you come up to me afterwards, I'm going to headbutt you. No, I'm joking, I won't. Um, does that make sense to someone? Is that you? Okay. That sounds like you. Let's pray for you quickly. It's Ryan, right? So I know I've prophesied over you before, but I do feel like the Lord's about to do something in terms of um, your internal world in this next season. You are a big old softy. The Lord loves that about you. You're a man who carries tenderness as a core value. And I feel like uh, in, in seasons gone before, it's almost like, the enemy exploited that part of you uh, in terms of even even some ministry disappointments. Um, and I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you about to restore it, what was lost in that season. And that he does not want, you're not a hard-hearted man, so you hear what I am saying, but it's almost like the enemy is trying to harden that part of you and said, that's faith. You just need to stick it out. And I feel like God's saying, no, that's not what faith is. Uh, faith is being involved in a journey with him where he's opening up your ability to see. Um, and I just feel like the Lord is um, putting something in the area of the tenderness of your heart again, and he's restoring an expectation of hope and an expectation of his kingdom coming in the most remarkable ways. And I feel like there's even some stuff happening with your own neural pathways, like God's bringing some healing from where there's been trauma that has come in because of some of the things that you've had to walk through, some of the disappointments that you've had to walk through. And God is restoring to you an expectation of his kindness breaking out for you first and then through you to others. And I just feel like the Lord's saying, son, I am doing a new thing in your heart. And that that season of depression, that season of feeling um, overwhelmed, God is going to begin to redeem that season because there's some things in that season that you were supposed to do that you couldn't do because of the circumstances that came around you. God is going to lift that off and he's going to restore some opportunities that are going to blow you away in this next season. So God's hand is really on you and just feel like the Lord wants you to know he loves the gentleness of your heart. That that's your strength. And that's what's going to disarm many as they encounter the goodness and the kindness of God. So, Father, bless this man right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, just one or two more. Just uh, the couple over there, you've got your hand. Yeah. Can you both stand if that's okay? Um, uh, what are your names? Uh, Chris and Paige. Chris, you are, um, you've got such an incredible wisdom on you. Uh, that not many people even know, that you have an ability to carry things and you have an ability to walk in wisdom, you have an ability to see long-term, you have an ability to um, 
step into rooms that seem very impressive and release the wisdom of God. And I feel like the Lord is going to begin to highlight this more and more for you in this next season. Um, And I I see God giving you some opportunities in the business arena in this next season that are going to be very significant. I feel like I can see the phrase international consortiums. And I feel like there's something about you going into spaces where you're going to close some deals, where there are going to be some consultations that you will be involved in that will bring an incredible wisdom, but will also uh, bring incredible um, accelerated deal-making, as it were. Um, And I I feel like the Lord really wants to encourage you that you are going to have opportunities in different spaces that's going to blow you away. Um, I feel like it's even some spaces that you're not used to or that maybe your job isn't even in right now. I see God giving you opportunities to jump into different streams in this next season. Um, And I feel like there's a sense of restlessness that's been in you. You're at a crossroads of making some big decisions even around your career. And I feel like the Father wants to say, son, do what's in your heart because I'm going to back your act. All right? And I just feel like there's this dreamer that's suddenly being unleashed on the inside of you. And you're like, God, I want to dream. I want to run ahead. And I feel like God's going to do that for you in this next season. Um, And I really feel like you're going to move from... um, There's something about owning your own brand, as it were, um, that God wants to give you in this next season that's going to cause incredible opportunities and favors, even financially, uh, in this next season. And, ma'am, Paige, I feel like the Lord wants to say to you that you've just been this incredible woman who has held on to promises in this last season. And it's almost like the enemy, um, even at a young age, try to to steal from you and even sometimes try to take your life. And um, I feel like the Lord wants to say to you, your portion is life. And it's because you're a life bringer to people. And I feel like there have been some untimely um, uh, things that have happened in your life that is almost trying to snuff out who you are. Um, and God's saying, it will not be so from now on. That there is a, a redefining of who you are in the area of life because you are a life bringer to many people. And I, I just want to encourage you that there is something about a holy tenacity that is on the inside of you that is going to give faith even to some other people who are going to begin to believe God in the way that you do. And I, I feel like um, there, there's, um, there's even such creativity. Like I can, I can even see you sketching and drawing, um, and I can see like this... Um, a particular medium of art that you, I don't know if you are an artist, but I see like a particular medium that you've been in for a long time, but I see you starting to explore outside of that one lane um, because some of what you're going to begin to produce in this next season is going to be reflective of the new season that you're coming into. And I feel like God is going to unlock even some opportunities around revenue to do with your art in this next season. And I just feel like God wants to encourage you His hand is on you. And out of the space of brokenness, out of the space of pain, it's going to come something so beautiful and so tangible that will reveal the love of God. And when people connect to it, they will literally be moved by it. And so I just feel like God wants to encourage you. This is your season. Um, I, I feel you even being someone who's going to be able to process people's trauma through how you equip them in the area of faith, and even in the area of creativity. And so God's hand is really on you both, and this is just a wonderful season of favor that you're both coming into. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, I would love to be able to prophesy over all of you. So here goes. God loves you with an everlasting love. He really does. It's the best word you could ever receive. Um, Just one more, and then I'm going to be done. This gentleman with the... uh, Yeah, you... Yeah, what's your name? Josh. Josh, Josh um, I'm not quite sure what it is that you do, but I'm seeing like accounting books next door to you. I'm seeing like um, um, checks and balances in particular. There's something around God bringing you into space where I see um, wealth creation being part of what you're about to step into. Um, and I see you being able to be trusted with sums of money um, and because you're a good steward, God's going to favor you and bless you. All right. And Josh, I feel like there is something around God saying, um, I'm wanting to invite you 
to dream around um, creating ways of um, equity sharing for the broken and the hurting in this next season. Um, and I, I see you, uh, I don't know if you're involved in any NGOs or charities, but it's like I see God giving you opportunities to connect into some spaces and release some skill sets that will actually take them to the next level. Um, and I just feel like God's saying to you, son, I've, I've put on you a grace to create wealth. I've put on you a grace to have a lot of money. And I've put on you a grace to help um, steward that money uh, so that it benefits and causes the kingdom of God to come. And to just get ready, God's hand is on you in um, a remarkable way. I feel like um, the Lord's taking away some disappointment um, of this last season that you've had to walk through. I feel like even some relational disappointments, God's about to um, take off of you, as it were, so that you can step in to all that he has around some of these things. And so, Father, I just bless this man right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for what you're doing. I wonder if we could just stand, if that's okay. Um, it's Russell, right? Hey, Russell, I feel like the Lord wants to encourage you. Um that your best days are ahead of you. Um, and I, I feel like there is such a, a grace on you to be a father to many. And I feel like in this last season, the enemy has tried to disqualify you. And you, you've said, God, but I can't do that anymore. Or I can't do this anymore. And I feel like the Lord wants to say, who said so? Because he hasn't. And I feel like God is about to give you a season of accelerated healing. Uh, and you're going to begin to step into a space where you're going to be able to take some kind of early 20s guys into a place of being fathered into wholeness because you've done the hard work yourself. And I just feel like the Lord is about to... Um, even in terms of business and in terms of property profile, he's about to bless you in some of these areas. I feel like there's something around uh, numbers of properties that the Lord wants to uh, give for the sake of legacy to you. Um, and I see you buying and, and almost like being involved in property in a way that will create wealth uh, for the legacy of your family. Um, and I feel like it's going to be very significant but it's also going to be about some men and women who will come alongside and be fathered by you in a very real and tangible way. And I just felt like the Lord wants you to know that he is not disappointed or disillusioned with you because um, he never had any illusions in the first place. Um, and that his delight in you is still as strong as ever. And that actually you're coming into a season where you're going to discover what you were created for that the conformity that you've lived in, trying to please people around you, is breaking off of you, and you're coming into a place where you get to be just you. Because the sweetness of who you are, the grace of who you are, the world needs to see. Amen. Why don't we lift up our hands? I just want to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us all afresh. I wish I had a whole lot more time just to prophesy over many more, but I, I want to invite you in this season. I believe this word that I've spoken is a prophetic word, to this church, fall in love with him again and do what you did at first. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Holy Spirit, I invite you to come right now. Will you come and fill us right now? Will you come right now and impact us with your presence? Come Holy Spirit. I feel like there's a particular person in this room over the last four to five months you've had suicidal ideations and the Lord is just bringing freedom to you right now. He's breaking off the hopelessness and the despair right now. And I want to encourage you, if that's you, please make sure that you find someone on the pastoral staff here just to share with them. Because God wants to do some stuff with them. Come Holy Spirit. The gentleman with the um, grey moustache. Uh, yeah, you guys. God is giving you such a high level of integrity. Uh, you both carry integrity. Um, and I see your home 
being a space that people will come into and find freedom. And it's almost like I can see some walls breaking down and some alterations in order to facilitate what God's about to do. And I feel like um, the gift of hospitality that's on you is quite unique and that you think it's just a simple thing, but actually it's a sign of the kingdom when you get to feast with people. And I feel like your home is going to be so central to what you're going to do in this next season. And so I feel like the Lord says the the next five to ten years of your financial planning is going to be eclipsed by his goodness in a way that you could not even expect. And I just want to encourage you, this is a season in which he's doing some redefining of you guys as a couple for the sake of people coming in to your space, into your home, and finding freedom as you counsel and love. And there's a unique grace on you that's going to help people be established in marriage and in community and in integrity. Um, and so get ready, God's hand is on you. Sir, I don't know why I see this, but I see like a, a righteous quill in your hand. And I feel like there's something around some theological ideas and concepts that you need to write about that actually is going to bless some people. Um, I don't even know if that's in your background, but I'm seeing like, like um, an ability to write down some concepts that will be impacted by Scripture that actually is going to bless some people in this next season. So get ready. God's hand is on you. And I also feel like um, God is bringing home some estranged family members. There's a season of... I don't know if they're actually physically estranged, but there's a relational estrangement that God's about to heal in terms of your family that's going to be quite unique, and you're going to see something turn around in this next season. So, Father, I thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you, God, that you know us so well. God, I thank you that Clear Path is coming into a season of incredible breakthrough. Clear Path is coming into a season, God, where you're about to do some new things with her for the sake of bringing your kingdom to this area in Jesus' name. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray like you did in Acts chapter 19. Would you fill your people with your spirit and would you cause us to be a people of first love? In Jesus' name. We want to tell you just one more time. If you can, would you join me? Just tell him you love him. Ask him to capture your imagination and fascination this week. Ask him for moments where you, you just can't help yourself, but in the humdrum of life, you just got to stop and go, Jesus, I love you. You've been so good to me. God, I'm asking for a holy fascination to capture us again for the sake of a nation. In Jesus' name, amen.